Welcome to the Avenging Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. This is episode 192. 192. We're just doing one issue this week, so yeah, everyone we, can can exhale, <laughs> relax a little. Those uh, those solo Avenger omnibus issues are rough. Uh, this uh, this week we're going to cover Avengers number 304 from June of 1989. True story. This one is called Yearning to Breathe Free, and it's done by Danny Fingeroth and Rich Buckler. Yeah. Both having done Avengers before, but this is... Well, actually, this is Rich Buckler's third issue in a row, because he drew the last, the issues 302 and 303 with Supernova. If you say so, I barely remember what I had for lunch today. But Danny Fingeroth is basically your fill-in guy, and this is basically a fill-in. It is a fill-in. I was just going to point that out. So, uh, in this in this issue, we see Captain America and Thor and Gilgamesh in their civilian settings. They're so, civvies. Civ- yeah. They're uh, touring... Ellis Island while it's being renovated? Well, it apparently is just opened after a... Res- after- oh, it's a special preview visit. Yes. Yeah, it's not open yet. I mean, you, I think they wouldn't have it open with all that scaffolding inside. But there is a decent amount of people here. I guess yes. that was my point. They're not... They don't have a private tour. So they're... Uh, they're <laughs> you know what they're hearing? Captain America, you know, is being Captain America. Instead of talking about the history in these walls and the great immigration and how America was built... And there's this smarmy kid in a leather jacket that's like, ah, screw that. Yeah, uh, Captain America got them in because he has special connections to the government, of course. And I like the idea that he was like, guys, guys, at the at the Avengers meeting, we're going to go tour Ellis Island. And Reed and Sue were like, yeah, we're good. Right. So he brings the two guys that aren't even from Earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Ellis Island, I know not of this thing. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Even, and Gilgamesh, like Thor's like, yeah, cool. Uh I'm from Asgard, but I can I can understand the spirit of these because I'm an immigrant too because I came from another planet or wherever I'm from. And then Gilgamesh is just kind of a dick as usual. He's like, I come from the celestial, uh, like the celestial's place, and everybody's awesome. And I I mean, I guess this place is cool. I can kind of feel it. But I'm sorry, you were talking about this 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 j- smarmy kid. Yeah, this kid who looks like uh, who uh, Adrian's Med. <laughs> Oh my gosh, talk about kids ask your parents. He is... <laughs> but he's he, dressed like Fonzie. He's a worker there. He's, he's helping them with the renovation. He's talking out loud to himself, even though he thinks he's inner monologuing. Yeah, and even like... Then he inner monologues about talking out loud. It, but he's... I guess he's uh, American Indian, and he's angry about immigrants. Yeah, and... Yeah, he's very unhappy as, as an indigenous person about them celebrating immigrants who, of course, came to this country and took his land away. And Captain America says, no, no, no. Those who came through here certainly weren't to blame. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, Cap, some of them definitely were to blame. I mean, they they are part of the America that kept voting in people that kept seizing the land of the Native Americans. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure you can really say they weren't to blame. Yeah, I suppose. I feel like I'd have to do some more research on the dates and times of all that stuff happening. But, sure. Well, I mean, it, it went on from, what, yeah. 1770, whatever. Actually, 1600 when we first landed here. Until the 18... All, all the way till basically 1900. I mean, yeah. pretty much to the end of the 1800s. Yeah. So I think you can probably blame some people. Yeah. You can certainly blame immigrants in general. It's, I mean... It's funny, though, and I have I have American Indian background, and I didn't take... Okay, Elizabeth Warren. I didn't take... Shut up. <laughs> Cherokee, too. I didn't take it as... <laughs> Like, I understood what Captain America was saying. He's like, oh, these people are fleeing oppression. There's like these poor women and their children. Like, I didn't even. 
Let, it, didn't, be, it didn't click into my head. They're like, well, no, the dudes were there too. The guys that were the jerks were also on those boats. Let's be clear. They're both right and they're both wrong. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't blame every single person who came to this country for what happened to its indigenous population. And at the same time, if those people hadn't come here, I mean, they all treated the indigenous people. We all treated the indigenous people really badly. You know, so there's, oh, I'm going to have to like, while you talk about this here, I'm going to have to look through here. There was something that I, that I took as like kind of racist in here and I don't remember what it was. And now I have to go and find it. Cause I was like the one thing I wanted to talk about. Well, I'm sure that we will find it as we go through it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Do you want me to, well here, because so, in so, any case, they're talking here. I'll, I'll start doing this and you can look through the issue. They're talking to the kid and all of a sudden he sees somebody and he freaks out. He's like, oh my gosh, he's here. He's found me. I have to run away. And he bolts. And we see this guy who's wearing uh, a blue suit with sunglasses and a bolo tie who is Thomas Fireheart, otherwise known as the Puma. The Puma first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man number 256 back in September of 1984. He was created by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends. He is also a Native American. His tribe has a prophecy that there was a doom that was going to come and destroy the Earth. They'd had this prophecy for generations, and every generation they would pick one person, and they would use their tribal magics, sorry, that's their origin, not mine, To imbue one member of their tribe with the power to basically turn into a cat creature, a puma. And that person, that warrior, is supposed to be their defense against this doom that was coming to Earth. In this generation, that person was Thomas Fireheart, the puma, who basically was crazy smart and used the powers of the puma and his own natural natural intelligence to amass a fortune, become a very influential businessman, and oh, also use the power of the puma to occasionally be a freelance assassin. We find out that that foe that he was waiting for was the Beyonder during Secret Wars 2. Uh, spoiler alert, he does not destroy the Beyonder. He ends up mostly in the Spider-Man books as a bad guy. He's he's not a, a out-and-out villain, but again, he does work for villains. He's a freelance mercenary. Yeah, he always seemed as more of like the vigilante type where he couldn't quite pin down. Like, he's doing some bad things, but he's not... He's not a bad guy. He's not one of those guys like wringing his hands going, Wah-ha-ha. And he does have a certain code of honor. There, At one yeah. point in time, Spider-Man saves his life, so he buys the Daily Bugle from J. Jonah Jameson to stop it from saying mean things about Spider-Man, which I find, you know... in It was interesting, and again, there there's a code there. So anyway... Puma, for whatever reason, is here after Charles. Now, he doesn't seem like he's being really aggressive, but he keeps saying, you know, oh, sorry, the young kid's name is Charles. He keeps saying, stop, I just want to talk to you. But when the kid runs, Thomas Fireheart turns into Puma, goes all all uh, feral cat, and chases after him. The Avengers see the Puma, a, car- a person that they know from their files, as being involved in some unscrupulous things, chasing after a young, well, not a young, but chasing after a teenager. And so the three of them decide to get involved and stop it. And so it becomes the Avengers versus the Puma. While they are changing into their, well, of course, Thor and Captain America change into their costumes. Gilgamesh is like, costumes? I, I miss the helmet again, but I guess it's lost in the brain ship. <laughs> yeah, well, those things took it. But we do find out Thor's new secret identity, which is Sigurd. So Thor, if you remember... When did that happen? In Thor's own title, he decided, for reasons, that he needed to have a secret identity again. But he couldn't transform into someone else. So he basically becomes a construction worker. Because he has the build for it, 
I mean, I guess he really has to build to be a male model, and that's about oh, it. But. I thought that was Thunderstrike's thing. I thought he was a construction worker. No, Thunderstrike was an architect. Yeah. Eric Masterson's an architect. This is a Thor thing. Okay. It's not really important to the Avengers. I don't think we'll ever see it again in this book. But that is his new secret identity. But it's not much of a secret identity. He puts his hair in a ponytail and puts on a pair of glasses. He's like, what if Clark Kent but longer hair? <laughs> in any case, Avengers versus Puma. Until Charles starts freaking out. Yes, yes, that's that's the thing. They 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 fight the puma, and it, it's you know they don't fight him for very long, and the puma doesn't want to fight them. Puma keeps saying, "Guys, no, let's not do this. Let's Quit not trying fight. to stop me. Just let me get this guy." Yeah, he's like, "This kid's important, and I'm trying to help everyone by bringing this kid in. It's for everybody's good, including his." And but the kid, Charles Little Sky, I think is his name. Yes, is freaking out. He's got these headaches. And I mean, honestly, this kid looks like seems, sounds like he should be on some kind of medication for some mental issues. Uh, but he gets headaches, and he's like, "But it's not, I don't have a power. Just I get headaches and weird things happen." But I'm sure it's not related to the fact the Puma here thinks I have powers. That's crazy. I certainly don't have those powers. And because Puma knows that if he doesn't stop Charles Little Sky, something bad will apparently happen, he decides that he has to get the Avengers out of the equation. So he knocks over some scaffolding, knowing the Avengers will save the people in danger. And while they're doing that, he can get Charles Little Sky. And that's exactly what happens. Puma's not wrong. You're correct. And again, even when he has Charles down, he's like, look, I, we are not trying to hurt you. We just are trying to bring you back to the tribe so we can come up with some way to control your powers so that no one else gets hurt. But then Charles goes, blah, blah. And he turns all glowing yellow and launches a portal from somewhere. Yes, opens up a portal, gets shot by a beam of energy from out from, that comes from inside the portal, and out through the portal walk four bad guys. <laughs> the UFOs. The UFOs. We knew they were going to be here and there on the cover. This is the first time we've seen the UFOs in the Avengers, but they first appeared in The Incredible Hulk, number 254, in December of 1980, created by your pal, Sal, Basima, but really your pal Bill Mallow. That's what I thought you were going for. Um, they are basically the UFOs are basically what if the FF but evil. <laughs> they were four people. They were who took off in a rocket ship and got bombarded by cosmic rays. We know this because they give us their origin story in this issue. They will give us their origin story. They do, yep, it's right there. And they end up fighting the Hulk until they get banished to another dimension, and they were stuck in this other dimension. How did that happen? How did the Hulk banish them to another dimension? So, what happened was, Doctor Strange, this was when the Hulk had basically gone mindless. This was after Banner had, had control of the Hulk's mind. And then lost control of the Hulk's mind, and the Hulk was basically mindless. And so Doctor Strange decided it would be merciful if he banished the Hulk to some peaceful dimension where he could live out his days without fighting things. And somehow the UFOs ended up in that dimension as well. And they ended up fighting the Hulk, and the Hulk escaped back to our dimension, but they did not. Okay. So Charles Little Sky opened up a portal to the dimension they were stuck in, and they came through. Really quickly, the UFOs. Their leader is Simon Utrecht. He goes by the name of Vector. He's a rich guy. And he has the power to repel things. Basically telekinesis. Like, like physics. But all he can do is push it away. Okay. He might be able to attract as well, but it's not like real telekinesis like Marvel Girl has. <clears throat> His um, girlfriend is Anne Darnell. She is Vapor. She has the ability to transform her body into any kind of gas. Mm-hmm. 
Her brother, Jimmy Darnell, is their human torch. His name is X-Ray. He basically is a bunch of radioactivity that can fly and shoot radioactive blasts. Burns people. And their thing is Mike Steele, who's... (laughs) Who became ironclad? He's basically a big metal guy. I mean, wearing a skirt for some reason. Except for Simon Utrecht as Mister Fantastic. The other three, I feel like, kind of line up pretty well with the with the Fantastic Four. I mean, you got your big dumb strong guy. You got your flying brash youngster. You got your woman that can kind of disappear. Sure. They're the UFOs. They're really just. They just are here. Are in the Marvel universe just as flunkies, uh, bad guys. They can be beaten up a lot. Yeah, although they seem pretty strong in this story. They're not bad villains, and like they're they, going against Thor and Gilgamesh, who you think should be able to handle them pretty easily. They, they are. They, they probably have never been given the the respect they deserve because, like, if used by a good writer, they are a pretty powerful team. I couldn't find the thing that I thought was racist, so we'll just skip over it. <laughs> So in any case, the UFOs are back. They see the event. They're thrilled to be back on Earth. But the first thing they do is see the Avengers. And Thor's like, hey, you guys are bad guys. We're taking you to jail. We're taking you to jail. And Vector's like, I don't think so. And a fight breaks out. Mm-hmm. And I learned something interesting in this issue that Gilgamesh has eye beams. Did we know that already? I think. Did come up when they were fighting? Like, oh, I think uh, he used it against the brain. Okay. The brains. He's got dumb powers. He's an so eternal. he... He's Gilgamesh, who I always thought of like a, a different version of Hercules. He was just like a strong guy. But this Gilgamesh can fly and shoot beams from his eyes. Well, all the Eternals have those kind of generic power set. It's kind of stupid. Well, again, Plus, I don't like him. Well, I mean, what is, what is there to dislike? And by the same token, what is there to like? Right. Well, he's, yeah, but he's, his, his attitude is just bad. He's, he's like, I'm Gilgamesh. <laughs> You like Hawkeye. Yeah, well, Hawkeye can at least do something interesting. <laughs> the problem with Gilgamesh is no one has yet bothered to give him a personality. Even in this issue. Yeah. You know, in... in, in Other the, than like some vague pomposity. In the last three issues that Ralph Macchio wrote, he really sidelined Gilgamesh and the actual Avengers team for most of the second and third issue. But here, there's only three Avengers in it. And he still isn't given a personality. Like, he might as well not be here. So the fight basically turns to Vector and X-Ray are zapping Thor, who just absorbs the energy and then zaps it back at them and knocks them out. And then Puma's like, I can smell vapor. She's right over there. I don't understand how that works. And then Thor zaps her as well. Yeah, Puma wasn't sure whose side he should go. He should be on, but he finally decided it w- would be on his best side to be on the to help the Avengers beat the UFOs because his concern was that the UFOs were going to hurt the boy. Well, would, they'd already knocked hurt. him down. Yeah, would hurt him more. So he helps the Avengers, and you're right. He they do eventually win the Avengers. Obviously, probably not a surprise. Yeah, it's just it's because the fight looks good. Like the UFOs are holding their own, and then all of a sudden Thor just beats everybody. Like he was just waiting to go. Ah, I'm done with this. And the UFOs have decided their best bet is to kill Charles because since he's the one that can open portals, they're afraid he'll send them back to where they came from. Yes. So instead, they'll kill him, which honestly, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's not sure. a bad strategy. That's also why Puma decides to help the good guys. Yes. So uh, they take out the UFOs and then Charles is trying to get away again. Puma's like, hey, stop him. And Thor's like, no problem. And he grabs the kid and the kid freaks out, forms a portal again and disappears. Yeah. Did he, did he go to limbo? Is he going to be the new... Uh, Belasco? Is he going to go live with magic? Yeah, I don't think we ever... I'm sure this isn't very surprising, but I don't think we ever see him again. And Puma is basically like, you Avengers suck. You let that kid get away. And Thor, of course, very upset that he, you know, he's like, how dare you do that to me? You're a villain. You can't You can't tell me I didn't do a good job. And so Puma's like, you know what? I'm going to get out of here right now. 
There's no, you know, I failed and there's no profit from me staying. So Puma vamooses. And that's the end of the story. Yes, except for Cap has to get his moral in, which is just... uh, Charles Little Sky, who was so bitter about immigrants, ended up being himself an immigrant in a new dimension. And he entered it through Ellis Island. (laughs) Jesus. The letters page, (laughs) we have a letter from a CM Bruce... Sorry, CM Brace of West Long Branch, New Jersey, who is pointing out the similarities between issues one and 300. And while there are a few similarities, wow. there is no Hulk dressed like a clown robot. <laughs> so obviously uh, one is a better issue. And we have another letter from Scott Tipton who doesn't like the new lineup making him just like every other person who read the book. Good job, Scott. Is there, oh, what about the bullpen bulletins? Because I forgot to look it up. Oh, yeah. Uh, is this the one where Stan's soapbox comes back? Yes, uh, let's see, we talk about uh, stuff showing up on television commercials with Marvel. There's a commercial where a kid's faxing a back-issue cover of Amazing Spider-Man to his friend. There's another one that has Lou Ferrigno ripping a pair of Sears pants. Nice to see Hawk back on TV. <laughs> then they talk about someone being in a... Oh, um, Bob Hall runs some off-Broadway Shakespeare group. Don't care. There's a new movie coming out called Comic Book Confidential. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. I remember it. I remember hearing about it. It's got Stan Lee in it, uh, along with uh, Robert Crumb, Harvey Kurtzman, Will Eisner, Al Feldstein, William Gaines, Jack Kirby, Frank Miller, and more. And then they talk about Frank Miller. They say congrats on him getting picked to write the screenplay for RoboCop 2. Oh, my God. That was such an awful movie. I So, full disclosure... I love RoboCop 2. No, no. I do. It's, it is so much fun. It uh, really is. And then Stan's soapbox is back. And he's like, hey, woo, I'm back. And I'm here to tell you that uh, we're not going to be owned by, Marvel's not going to be owned by New World Entertainment anymore. They're being bought out by Ron Perlman, the cosmetics guy who is going to destroy the company. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that will lead to Marvel's bankruptcy. Yeah. I mean, who cares who owns, who even know, who, who even knows who owns Marvel nowadays? Yeah, it's probably just probably some some random company, company that, that no one knows anything of. Some you know, just some somebody who owns stock or something. Yeah, probably one of those nameless conglomerates. <laughs> but it is kind of funny that in the '90s, like I remember reading all that stuff when different companies were taking over Marvel and going, "Oh, well, maybe this means something else is going to happen," or we're finally going to. When New World took over, it was like, "Oh, we're going to get movies," and they made Blade, and you're like, "Oh, cool, Blade wasn't too bad." No, and now you watch Blade and you're like, "Oh, that's pretty bad." Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Other than the opening couple scenes. Stephen Dorff's not a villain? Come on. I have some affection for that Blade movie, but it's probably just nostalgia from seeing it back when it came out. And also, Stephen Dorff looks really good in it. Mm. He's not a good actor, though. He may not be a good actor. You don't need to be a good actor to look good. He looks bad now. It's all those those e-cigs. He looks very bad now. (laughs) Remember when he was doing advertisements for e-cigarettes? Yeah. Yep. Stephen Dorff. But, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. As filling issues go... This isn't the worst one. Like, it's a solid fill-in issue. It's not trying to do... It's not great, but it's not trying to do anything crazy. It's got a solid plot. We get some guest stars. I, I much prefer it over to things like the Composite Avenger or... I don't know. Pick an, I can't think of another... Or, or the or the guy that whose major power was to suck people into billboards. Or, or anything with Jarvis in it? No. Jarvis fighting a Transformer? That wasn't a fill-in issue. That was <laughs> integral to the Avengers plot. <laughs> My only problem with that as a fill-in issue is I, I don't mind the Puma story. I don't mind the, the UFOs coming back, even though they're pretty useless. 
I just don't get the whole Ellis Island and the immigration. They kind of tried to shoehorn a moral in there. You're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. But again, I it, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I, but where else could it have happened? Like some museum? Or it's not like those three guys are going to be out on the town together. They just, oh my gosh, but wouldn't it be The only way were? you're getting Captain America, Thor, and Gilgamesh to do anything together is some sort of history lesson. I, I feel like it was, again, the, the bar for fill-in issues is so low <laughs> that I feel like this clears it just fine. Like, I wasn't angry when I read this. No, no, I wasn't either. But I'm also glad next issue, we won't be, we won't, we're going to go to the West Coast for a little while. But when we come back to the East Coast, John Byrne will be on board. And at least the stories will have a more, a better forward momentum. If you say so. I do. All right, then. So say I all. Sounds good. But for next week, we're going to the West Coast where John Byrne already is. Yay. All right, that's it. Uh, If you want to get in touch with us. If you want to answer the poll about whether Hawkeye should still be leading the solo <laughs> Avengers, let us know by email at avenginghour at gmail.com or leave a comment on our Instagram page at avenginghour. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.